Hello, and welcome to the Magnetically You podcast. I'm your host, Madison Zerdyke. I'm a mindset and energy coach here to help you feel your freaking best and manifest a life full of magic, miracles, and abundance. I know that whatever led you here did not happen by coincidence. So I am so excited and grateful to have you here. So let's let the magic begin. Hi, and welcome back to the Magnetically You podcast. I have one of my amazing clients on the podcast today. Her name is Austin Armstrong, and she is a force of like feminine magnetic energy. And I am so excited to share her magic and wisdom with you guys today. So welcome, Austin. How are you? Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I am good. Yeah. This is like really fun to go from, you know, working with you to now recording a podcast with you. Yeah. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to hear more about what you do. So for, for everyone listening, can you share a little bit about what you do and what your coaching is all about? Yeah, absolutely. So Um, it's funny because I have this resistance to putting myself in like a box. So sometimes it's hard for me to like come up with my exact title (laughs) limiting because I feel like I do so many different things, but basically the best way to describe what I do is I'm a women's coach and mentor, and I would put myself in the category of self-love and relationships. So I work with single women that are dating and ready to attract their aligned partner and step into the loving relationship that they desire. And I also work with women who are in relationships that are working on improving the dynamic with their partner and uh, really wanting to hone in on self-love. So good. I'm so excited. So can you share more about what you're what your journey was like that kind of like led you to becoming a coach and yeah, just a little bit about your story or a lot as much or as little as you feel called to share. Yeah, for sure. So, um, it's kind I guess it starts in my early twenties. I was in like two back to back, really unhealthy relationships and, I found myself just like heartbroken and disappointed. And, um, I had dealt with infidelity in both of those relationships and it just really crushed me to my core. Um, the first breakup was really, really challenging. I was like going through depression and, um, kind of that really opened the gateway to my spiritual path. And, uh, I started working with a therapist for the first time when I was 24 And, uh, she introduced me to the practice of meditation and got me in a journaling ritual. And that really kind of started to open the floodgates of like me reconnecting with myself and my intuition. Um, and then when I dealt with a similar situation in my next relationship, I was like, okay, like, uh, at some point I have to recognize that I am some sort of common denominator when these two kind of patterns of infidelity played out back to back. And at that point I was like, I'm tired of this happening. And I also am ready to really like step in to the woman that I came here to be. And, um, I'm not 
available to uh, be in relationship with anyone who is either emotionally unavailable or um, incapable of being faithful in a relationship. And so I kind of stepped into the self-development world at that point in time, like full throttle. I'd, I'd had like a, a, my foot in the door, but I really went like all out after my uh, most recent breakup, which was like three years ago when I was 28. And I just like dove into the whole uh, self-development and for me, uh, self-development world. And like, really for me, just like deepened my spiritual practice. And um, I chose to like, the biggest turning point for me was when I chose to take responsibility for my part in the dynamics in those relationships and chose to take responsibility for the fact that, you know, I'm the creator of my world and I'm the creator of, and I'm the attractor of my relationships and my circumstances. And so once I was able to really like shift that perspective, I remember, um, a really close girlfriend of mine and a huge, um, influence on my own healing journey said to me when my most recent breakup happened, she was like, this is not happening to you. It's happening for you. And that was just something that really landed with me at the time. And I was able to step into this role of like radical responsibility for everything that had happened in my life. And over the course of like three months, like after that breakup, I did some really massive inner work and chose to dive all the way into my healing journey. And at that point I attracted the man who I am in a loving and healthy relationship with now. Um, and we've been together now since like the beginning of 2019. So Um, yeah. And I think at that point in my life career wise, I was in, um, I was in medical sales and I had this, like, I always had this burning desire to help people and to serve, but I didn't know how (laughs) I was like, I want to help and I want to serve, but I'm not sure what that means. Like, I didn't know which Avenue and which way felt like true and authentic to me. And, Mm -hmm. um, at that point, you know, when I, when I became single again at 28, I was living in LA and I just remembered all of my friends, all of my single friends around me constantly complaining about like, Oh, dating in LA is so hard. No one wants to commit all the men here are emotionally unavailable. And just like this whole narrative of limiting beliefs. And at that point in time, I remember thinking like, that is not what I'm going to choose. Like I'm single again at 28 in LA and I am not going to subscribe. I don't want that to be my reality is basically kind of the conclusion that I came to. And so, you know, part of my healing, healing work and and self-development work was around like not choosing that narrative, even though it was so easily enforced in my environment, I was like, nope, that's not how it's going to be for me. And it wasn't that way. And so, um, and I was, you know, I was fortunate enough and I don't even want to say fortunate because I do feel like I really created it, um, to attract my partner three months after a really devastating breakup. And so, um, I kind of throughout that entire next year was like, okay, there's, there's so many women that feel out of their power when it comes to dating. They feel like dating is this hard 
kind of miserable process. And it, it, it had been that way for me in the past, but it wasn't that way for me this time. And it was because I chose different. I chose for it to be different. And I also did the work to know that I didn't have to settle for anything that was less than what I desired in a relationship anymore. And so it's kind of a combination of like healing self-development work. And then like really noticing that, like, this was such a pain point for so many women, um, that I was surrounded by. And so a girlfriend of mine had started a coaching business and she was like, Hey, like, have you ever thought about being a relationship coach? That's like what your whole life has been about is these like kind of consistent learning lessons in in romantic partnership. And, and I was like, gosh, you're right. But like, you know, and, and it, it lined up too, because so many of the people that I was surrounded by were really struggling with this aspect of their life. And I was like, okay, I clearly cracked some sort of code here. And I want to share those codes with the world. Like I want other women to understand that they can date from a place of empowerment and understand that they have, you know, a say in what they experience in romantic partnership and that they actually get to be the creators of their reality if they choose to do so. And so that's kind of where this idea got birthed. And that was like back in 2019 at the end of 2019, and I was like, I'm ready to serve. And I was craving for more. And so in 2020, I kind of invested all of my money into like creating this coaching business because I felt super aligned and called to it. And then, um, you know, divinely enough, I was let go during the pandemic from my medical sales job. That was like June of last year, June of 2020. And I was like, okay, I had kind of been on the fence of launching my coaching business, uh, kind of going through that whole level of like, oh my gosh, imposter syndrome. And like, what are people going to think? And all of that. And I'd kind of been sitting on the sidelines a little longer than I thought I would. And so Mm -hmm. the universe just kind of catapulted me into launching my coaching business. And so I did that August of last year and, uh, started working with women one-on-one. And then this year launched my first group coaching program, um, yeah, this past June. And I guess that brings us to date to where I am now. Oh my gosh. So good. And your group program is heart alchemy, right? Yes. My group program is heart alchemy and I still, uh, work with clients one-on-one as well. Amazing. Amazing. We'll have you talk more about those programs and one-on-one ways people can work with you. A little bit later, but I want to get more into your story right now because this is so good. And I, I mean, there's so many parts that like I didn't know. And I think it's really cool that, yeah, I didn't know you started your business just like, yeah, like a year ago, which is so amazing what's unfolded for you and what what you've created and like how many women you're, you're helping and impacting. It's so beautiful. So why do you think so many women, especially struggle with this area of life, like struggle with relationships and to have that like healthy, loving relationship. Mm. Yeah. I think it's multifaceted. Like there's so many different layers to, to this, but the women that I generally like the clients that I attract and the women that I generally end up working with, 
it's usually rooted in a level of feeling unworthy. Mm-hmm. It's usually rooted in our childhood or in our conditioning about having to settle for less, having to not ask for, for more, be grateful for what you have. You know, that narrative that we get as women is that, you know, is basically just in my opinion, another way of keeping us small. Don't ask for more. What you have is enough. Be grateful for what you have. And like, you'll always have to compromise and settle in relationship. And if we choose to subscribe to those limiting beliefs or those feelings of unworthiness or undeservingness of what it is that we actually desire, that's what we attract is those types of similar situations. And when, and not to say that even a woman who is, you know, embodied in her worth and knows her, that she's deserving, you know, the difference is that a woman who is embodied in her worth will take action that aligns with that. So it's saying no to the person who is almost sort of kind of it, almost sort of kind of a match to what you actually truly desire. And in turn, saying no to that person is also saying yes to the person who is a 100% aligned match. Um, So I think there's, there's a lot that's rooted in relationship to self And that's why the majority of the work that I teach is really centered around self-love. Oh, so good. What you said about that story about don't ask for more, be grateful for what you have. That was definitely a story growing up that I heard, but I've never consciously thought of it until you said it now. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, wow. Like no wonder as women, we have a hard time allowing ourselves to receive. I feel like a lot of it comes back to allowing ourselves to want what we want, allowing ourselves to believe that we get to have it. And it's like, yeah, be grateful for what you have, but it's like, no one like, but it's like, why aren't we telling the story that we get to be grateful for what we have and want more? Like, what if we're allowed to have both of those dynamics at the same time? Mm, Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's it right there. It's not an, if, it's not an either, or it's an, and both. So yeah. And gratitude is such a a huge piece of the manifestation work in general, but like our desires, if like we shut off that part of ourselves, that's desiring and yearning for more, we kind of like dim our light and we shut off our light. I know I've done it in my past. I know sometimes I still catch myself because it's such a um, a deep rooted narrative that I grew up around and that was like reinforced in my environment. And it's in that choosing it's in the awareness to know that we're actually choosing that belief that we have the opportunity to choose different. So good. Yeah. It's like, I, something, one of my friends inner voices said one time was that, Oh, what was it? Um, Something, something that basically like once you are, um, oh, once you see it, then you aren't it and Mm. then you're free. Basically when we have the awareness, it's no longer us. It's our, the truth of who we are observing the, the story in the mind. And then we get to say like, oh, I don't have to like buy into or subscribe to that story or, oh, I'm actually going to make a new choice. So bringing it back to that awareness piece, like how do, how do we start like building that, building that awareness? 
Yeah. Yeah. So, and so, and, you know, and I, I kind of just gave a high level answer that to your previous question that like, really this tends to be a struggle because we have some levels of, you know, subconscious unworthiness that we're, that we're living by. And the process of like getting to the root of that unworthiness and like actually shifting the narrative and healing those limiting beliefs and those feelings of un- unworthiness is, is, is intense, you know, it's, it's deep work. And mm-hmm. so in my coaching containers, we go deep. Like I don't hesitate to go there because I I've been there myself and I know that it's really what yields the results that, you know, I was desiring and the results that my clients desire. And so, you know, understanding, uh, where we picked up these levels of, or these beliefs that have us feeling unworthy. So I do teach inner child work. I'm really big on it because most of our limiting beliefs, most of our conditioning and most of our beliefs of unworthiness stem from something that happened in childhood. And the reason for that is because ages zero to seven, our reticular activating system is like not fully developed. And so we, we take everything personally and internalize everything as in our external environment as something that has to do with us. So like an example of this would be, you know, dad comes home angry and in a bad mood from something that happened at work. But as a child, I interpret that as he's angry at me. It's because of me. I did something wrong. I'm not good enough for him. And Mm -hmm. that's why he's displeased. And so connecting with the inner child is so important because it really can like reveal things to us, the deep layers of our psyche that we don't recognize we're operating off of. And our subconscious mind is formed ages zero to seven, I guess, zero to 14. If you're, you know, um, it's, it's in that window, zero to 14, I would say. And so because of that, so much of how we're operating as adults has to do with our subconscious mind, because our subconscious mind operates is, is our, is our operating system for 95% of the time as an adult. So like we operate from our subconscious mind, 95% of the time and our conscious mind, 5% of the time. So if we're not addressing what's happening in the subconscious mind, we're kind of bypassing the root problem or the root issue. And so inner child work is huge for that. Um, it really helps to also reveal how we choose to relate in general, because so much of our relationship with our caregiver or our parents dictates how we show up in romantic partnership. And a lot of times (laughs) what we've been taught to believe is love is actually trauma bonding, or, um, you know, it feels a little bit more (laughs) like chaos and intense codependency than it does healthy, sustainable, um, love. And a lot of the trauma bonding is, can be revealed through doing inner child work. So like an example of this would be, um, you know, my dad and I, we have a beautiful relationship now, and we've actually done a lot of healing work together. Um, but when I was growing up, 
he was emotionally unavailable to me. He, um, he's an accountant. And so during tax season, it was like, there was always, you know, lots of stress going on in our household. And, um, if I ever came to him with, you know, um, something that had hurt my feelings, you know, if, if a friend at school had hurt my feelings or, you know, a boy that I liked, didn't like me back, all of those things that, you know, happen in elementary, middle school, that type of situation. And I wanted to talk to him about it. He would always be like, that's, um, that's something that you can talk to your mom about. Like, I'm basically, I'm not available to talk to you about your feelings. That's your mom's job. And so I learned early on that men were not a safe place for me to express my emotions and that women were the only safe space for me to be vulnerable and share how I was feeling. And so what that manifested in my future is that I was attracted to emotionally unavailable men and the trauma bond there. And like, really what trauma is, is like our body goes into a state of fight or flight and we can't respond. Um, and in order, and we never resolve that we never come back to a rest and digest. We never resolve in that exact situation or scenario. We never come to a close. We never close the trauma loop is kind of the way that it's described. Um, and so when we have those open-ended unresolved trauma loops, what we do as adults subconsciously is try to resolve those trauma loops with other people. <laughs> so You're blowing my mind right now. This is so good. <laughs> oh my God. So that's what I did in relationship is I would be like, oh, like if a man was emotionally unavailable to me, I subconsciously felt attracted to them because I was subconsciously trying to close this trauma mm-hmm. loop to make an emotionally unavailable man emotionally available to me so that I could call this trauma loop complete. And, uh, you know, I learned the hard way that you don't make someone else emotionally available. Typically that's a journey that they have to pursue on their own. And so, um, that's just an example of how, really getting into the deep inner work and understanding the parts of ourselves that in our trauma that hasn't been resolved, we can see our patterns so clearly. And we're like, oh, <laughs> that's why all <laughs> these relationships haven't been working. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, brain, I see you. Like, but we don't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's practicing, you know, and I tell my clients this all the time. I'm like, everything I teach you is a practice. Mm -hmm. It's, It's not something that we go start to finish and then we're done. It's like a practice. We show up to it every day. And so practicing this consciousness of like knowing when we, when we are in a dating scenario, when a man reveals to us in some way, shape or form that he's emotionally unavailable, recognizing, oh, you know, my pattern is going to want to bond with this person. And I know where that goes. I know how that ends and I'm going to not choose my pattern, even though my mind and my brain wants me to choose my pattern because the mind loves the familiar. And I've been choosing my pattern for many years now. It's coming back to that consciousness and, and, and having the awareness, like we were talking about at the beginning, like once you have that awareness, you have the choice. But without that awareness, we just kind of like operate on autopilot. 
And so using the awareness to be like, I love myself so much that I'm not going to choose my pattern, even though my pattern feels like what feels good or what feels exciting or what I used to associate as love, like what feels, and oftentimes these trauma bonds tend to feel a little bit more like lust than they do actual unconditional love. And so we have to kind of untangle that as well, because Hollywood movie is like what, you know, what we see enforced in our society and around us with our peers, oftentimes in in the media is like encouraging more so a lust connection, which Mm. tends to not always end up being a sustainable long-term relationship that is founded on unconditional love. Oh my gosh. So good. I love what you said about like, yeah, having the awareness and then making the new choice. I've been thinking a lot about that um, recently with like stepping into my next level and asking myself the question, like when you become aware of a situation where you may have defaulted to the old pattern or the old self-sabotage or things like that, pausing, having that awareness, then with that awareness, pausing, and then asking yourself, like, what would the old me do? And what would the new me do? And it just opens up that choice. And we remember that, oh, I have choices. I have options. I am the creator. I am the chooser. So what do I want to choose? Yes, exactly. And it's, it's interesting because, you know, I'm not perfect at this, any of this work, you know (laughs) what I mean? I'm practiced in it. Um, and I think I've, you know, gotten to a level of mastery that I'm able to like teach it and share it with, um, such like embodied knowledge now, Mm -hmm. but coming back to that practice piece of like, to something that I see a lot is like, when we catch ourselves making the old choice or like choosing the old pattern or doing the self-sabotage, sometimes the ego will be like, latch onto that and criticize it. And that's where like the self-love piece comes in where it's like, am I going to have grace and compassion with myself because I'm a human and the expectation here isn't to be perfect. It's to just come back to my practice. Every time I stray from it, once I have that, like you were talking about once, once I have that awareness that I've strayed from, you know, my truth or my consciousness coming back to it instead of like using that as an opportunity to criticize and beat ourselves up for making a choice. Maybe that's more in alignment with our old pattern than it is the new. Yeah. Which I feel like usually is just our brain sneaky way of (laughs) spiraling us back down into the old pattern. So I love that. And yeah, it's so important to allow it, allow it to be a practice, allow it to be ongoing. And yeah, just because you have the awareness doesn't mean you're always going to be perfect and choose the thing, the new you would do, right? Like it's about like understanding that like you can trust yourself. So if you chose the old pattern, then you can trust that there was a reason you chose that you can trust that there's a lesson in there. You can trust that it's making you stronger. You can trust that the universe was just giving you an opportunity to go even deeper into your self-love and into your compassion. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. There's always a lesson for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. What else did I want to ask you? So 
how did you like process the infidelity and and move on from that because I think for a lot of people who have experienced that it's just like oh well I'm the person that gets cheated on everybody cheats all men cheat I always get cheated on um and and it just becomes this like pattern um so how did how did you how did you break that cycle and and heal yourself from that and forgive those experiences Mm, yeah Oh, it was a long journey. So what's interesting is that, uh, in the first relationship where there was infidelity, I actually chose to get back with my partner at that time. So it was in super low self-worth and, um, that was so painful for me on a subconscious level. Like my mind was like, no, you want to be with this person because I was so confused, uh, by like the less trauma bond connection that we had. And I slipped into like a really dark depression when we got back together. Um, mm-hmm. and then there was more infidelity that ended their, their relationship finally. Um, but I think that person now, and I genuinely have so much love in my heart for that person, because if it wasn't for that situation, I would not be the woman that I am today. I would have he like that relationship woke me up. Like I was sleepwalking through life, Mm -hmm. just unconsciously, um, navigating relationships, like everything was so unconscious. And I was in all this emotional pain, um, that I had repressed for a really long time. And it wasn't until I like woke up that I was like, Whoa, like this, the amount of emotional pain that I'm in is like actually not normal. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I get to choose differently. Like I don't have to feel this way. Um, And that one was tough, you know, like, uh, that was a really long healing process for me. Like it probably took me about like eight to 10 months to even feel my, feel myself again. And so what I would encourage women that are like going through something similar, like let yourself grieve, let yourself mourn, let, especially if this is like the first time you're dealing with infidelity, like really be with yourself and in your process and ask for all the support and, and give Mm -hmm. yourself all the support that you need. Like I had, I was at that time I was working with an amazing therapist. Um, and she had like a small women's group that I joined. So I had the support of them. Um, I had really great supportive family and friends around me and, and I had to like, kind of reconnect with some of those people because in that relationship, I had really isolated myself. And that's kind of one of those signs where, you know, sometimes your friends and family can pick up on like, Hey, not sure if this is the person for you, you are so isolated. We never hear from you anymore. You know, Mm -hmm. some of those situations where we can kind of tell we're in a unhealthy, unbalanced, uh, relationship. Um, but like really being with your process, because I think when these types of life situations happen, um, we oftentimes don't allow ourselves the space to grieve. We like want to push through it, Mm -hmm. get through it quick and like really kind of like bypass it. Yeah. And like, yeah, I've done that in so many other scenarios 
and the healing takes place and we actually surrender and let ourselves be with what is. And so that was kind of how I navigated the first, the first really devastating breakup. Um, and then I, the second one, um, but I also knew like, once I really healed from that infidelity, I kind of made a promise to myself. I was like, if this ever happens again, like I'm out, like I'm never entertaining, getting back together with someone again. Like if infinite, like that was my boundary. I got really fucking clear on like, there is no ifs, ands, or buts. I don't care how much your heart still wants to be with that person. You will not ever choose someone or choose someone again after, after an incident of infidelity, which, you know, most people just already kind of have that in their nature, which is beautiful, but, um, you know, like not all of us do. And so that became a really big boundary for me. Um, and then my next relationship, um, was like, it was really shocking because, um, you know, I, I didn't see this person as capable of, uh, being unfaithful. I, I really believed with my full body and my, all of my being that this person would, I trusted him with my entire being. Um, and so when it happened the second time, uh, I found out and I drove home and packed up and moved out that day. I was living with my partner at the time. And so it felt like a massive act of like self-love for me to just be like, yeah, I'm done. Like there's no ifs or ands or buts. There's no conversation mm. like this is complete. And so for me, yes, some people might, you know, think that that's <laughs> simple, but for me, that was huge. And it sh- symbolized a massive amount of growth for me and how far I had come since the previous incident. Um, but that does not mean <laughs> that it felt any better or easier, um, because it really triggered and reopened an old wound in me, especially since I, I really did firmly trust and believe that this person would not do something like that to me. Um, and I was in like a full blown state of fight or flight for probably six months. Like I was just totally triggered. Um, And in like a trauma response for a while, my body was just like pumping with cortisol uh, because I just didn't expect it or anticipate it. Um, But I knew, like I said before, you know, when I had when one of my uh, close friends who's an incredible healer was like, this is happening for you. I like chose to trust that I hadn't thought of it that way before. And I chose to trust that like there was a plan that was happening for me in my life that was way greater and way bigger than anything that my mind could comprehend. And that Mm -hmm. like, I had to surrender to it that like, if I didn't surrender to it, I would have just been in this like kind of uphill battle, forcing resistance, pushing. It was like the first time where I just straight up was like, I'm surrendered. I don't think I really knew what that meant before that incident, because it was like everything that I knew, all of my security, right? Like the home, the place that I lived in, that I shared with my partner, my relationship, all of that was like a rug that got pulled from underneath me when I thought that everything was stable and a solid foundation. Um, And so it really shook me to my core at a different level this time, 
I think previously in, in the, the relationship before, obviously, because I had stayed after a incident of infidelity, I knew that that person was capable of it. Um, this time it was like a shock to my entire system. And so what I did is I really got into like healing on a nervous system level and healing in my body. I had done so much mindset work from the time I was 24 to 28 when this happened, but I hadn't really gotten into the trauma and patterns that were stored in my body. And so Mm -hmm. I was trying to, at the beginning of the breakup, kind of like mindset my way through it. And that was not working. (laughs) And so I said, cause we can tell ourselves all day long that like, I'm, you know, I, I, I trust myself. I feel better. I'm healed. And it's like, okay. But like, if what's going on in the body is like not matching up with that, like there's a disconnect and yeah, I think it's about like creating that synergy between the like story in our mind and our, the emotions in our body and almost like breaking the old language linkages of the, the old stories tied to the old emotions and, and like almost like rewiring in our energy, like new, new connections and like allowing our, our energy to like restore to like home homeostasis. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, Yeah. And so I couldn't get there on my own. Like I did not know how to regulate my body at all. And, uh, so I started doing a ton. Uh, I tried, like, I was kind of at that, uh, you know, when you're at that spot in your life where you're like, I will try anything. (laughs) Like (laughs) help me. I'm open to trying anything. I literally don't care what it is. If you're going to cast a spell on me or like, (laughs) I will just, I'm open to it. I am a yes girl right now to all things healing modality wise. Um, And I'm so grateful for that time because it really introduced me to my next level of healing, which like, you know, what you were just describing is like getting my body in sync with where my mind was. And, um, it also helps me as a coach now to know that like, we can't just coach on mindset. Like these codes are in our body when, when that trauma loop is not completed and we don't come to completion with the traumatic event that energy gets stored somewhere deep in our body. (laughs) And yeah. And so understanding that it's not just about, we can't just, like you said, think our positive, think our way through things. We have to address what's actually happening inside the body too. Yeah. And so feel our way through. Yes. Yeah. And so what we want to do is not feel our way through because the feelings are like, Oh, but it's like, oftentimes like the emotions that come up a lot of times are old emotions and they're coming up to come out and so like we're just feeling them while they're on their way out but if we like latch back if the mind like the mind wants to like latch back onto them and like reaffirm that like nope this is still the story this is still the truth clearly it is because you're feeling all these emotions like then we build up resistance to like allowing our emotions to come like you were saying complete that trauma loop complete that cycle come come through us, be felt by us and then be released by us. Mm, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But if we don't have, if we don't know that that's what's happening, right. We're just like, Oh my God, what's happening? Like, (laughs) yes, exactly. What's wrong with me? What did I do wrong? Like, yeah, yes, exactly. And so 
working with the body and exploring all these different healing modalities, learning about my nervous system, learning about what trauma actually is. And like, you know, the body keeps the score. The score is such a great book on this too. Um, and like actually respecting my body and my body's process, because it's like, Oh, Holy, Holy shit. Like 28 years of trauma is coming to the surface right now. And this is the first time I'm actually letting it move, um, Mm -hmm. without repressing or trying to mindset my way through it. And, um, honestly, I think that was the biggest shift in healing from the infidelity. The most recent time was like just honoring the fact that my body needed to move all of the stored trauma, not just from that event, but all the things, all the events prior to that, that, that touched on that wound. Um, and so, you know, I explored so many different things, Reiki, breath work, um, somatic healing, psychosomatic healing, all the things. <laughs> and that's when I really kind of moved into this place where like, not only was I shifting obviously the limited, limiting narratives and beliefs that, you know, I might've had around men and dating in the past, but I was like moving things that had been like trauma that had been stored in my energetic field for years. And so when you clear that out on an energetic level, plus you're doing the mindset work, you're just like condensing the time. Um, and because you're, you're raising your vibration so quickly, Uh, when you're doing those two things in conjunction. And so once I kind of like, I didn't even know what I was doing at the time. I was just doing what I knew to do on a mindset level. And then also doing all of these um, healing modalities with my body. And I truly believe that I was just like catapulting my vibration into like this whole new realm where I was able to attract all of the things that I had been desiring, like it was nuts. So like, uh, from the time that I left that relationship when I was 28, uh, one of my fears was like, Oh gosh, you know, uh, I was living in Los Angeles and my partner at the time was, uh, we lived in like downtown Santa Monica in this beautiful apartment. And, uh, he was kind of paying more rent than I was. And so I was like, Oh crap, can I like afford to live on the West side where I, that was kind of the area that I wanted to be in anyway. And I manifested, I received a 30 K raise in my job in three months after we broke up. Uh, (laughs) and it was kind of like an uncapped raise because one of the raises was in commission. Um, and then I manifested this amazing apartment in Venice, um, which is where I had always wanted to live when I moved to LA, but kind of was like, "Ah, I can't quite afford it yet. But, uh, my roommate and I were looking for, for spots in Venice. And we found this apartment, a two bedroom, two bath at that time, like even a two bedroom, one bath at that time, like you couldn't really find anything in Venice for less than four grand. We found a two bedroom, two and a half bath on Abbott Kinney, which is like, um, the main road. Yeah. And just amazing and has all the shopping and restaurants and all the good stuff, walking distance to like everything. We were also walking distance to the beach. We got it for $29.95. So less than three grand. So that can yeah, I was like, wow, that is nuts. And it had like everything that I wanted, um, and was walking distance to all the places that I, in my favorite neighborhood, um, that came through, I ended up going on this incredible trip with some girlfriends that were traveling, um, 
and we went to New Zealand and Australia. I met my partner in Australia and like, it was just everything that had been orbiting around me, everything that I had been like desiring Ooh. and wanting more of just like came flooding in. And I was like, Ooh, what yes. happened? <laughs> like, it's what? like everything in your vortex. Do you listen to Abraham Hicks? It's like all the things that were like literally already there waiting for you in your vortex. It's like by honestly, like creating this, it's like this space to receive it. It, it all came like flooding in. Oh my gosh. I love that. Yeah. It was nuts. Like I, yeah, like exactly what you're saying. I became a match to everything that was in my vortex and it was just like, here you go. And it was so effortless. It was nuts. <laughs> um, oh. and so, yeah. And so I was like, okay, clearly I've like cracked the code on something. And that's kind of, I just, I just kind of kept showing up to my work and like talking to people and friends about it and just seeing this like massive need for women to like feel in their power. Like they can actually create what it is that they want and desire. And, and yes, I mainly teach in the realm of relationships because I feel like I'm, you know, I've lived a lifetime in relationships and, you know, the, now I've, I'm 31 in the 31 years I've been here. I feel like I've lived like, I'm, I feel like I'm 60 in relationship years. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, so good. I love all of this. Um, I know something that you talk about a lot that I've heard you say that I kind of, I had never heard the word before you is self abandonment. So can you like describe what that is and how to like shift and heal that pattern? It sounds like the self abandonment would have been in the second relationship when the infidelity came up, when you had already set the boundary for yourself that I am like not going to go back to a relationship like that. Would self abandonment have been going back to the relationship? Is that kind of what that is? Yeah, absolutely. You're so on point. It's so funny you bring this up too, because my clients, um, in my group program, uh, we had our last call last night and, um, everyone's like, I never even knew that I could abandon myself. Like, oh my God, this is just revolutionary. And, uh, they're all kind of like, it like really was, a um, mind blowing for them to like learn about self-abandonment and how to not self-abandon. Um, so self-abandonment can happen in so many different ways. So, <clears throat> It can happen on a daily level, right? Like when, you know, we have promises that we keep to ourselves or boundaries that um, we are enforcing with ourselves. And and I, I teach boundaries with others in my course, but I personally believe that the boundaries that we set within ourselves are mm-hmm. actually the most important. And yes. so an example of self-abandonment would be like, uh, for instance, um, you know, if I choose in the morning, I keep my phone on airplane mode until about 10 o'clock. And I do that because I know that me connecting with my energy and showing up to my practices of self-love that fill my cup and truly allow me to like come from a place of overflow, um, which is what feels good for me and feels good for my clients and my loved ones and friends, family, all the rest. I know that not only does that boundary serve me, it serves everyone else. And I'm not perfect at keeping it because sometimes I have busier days than others. So I may turn my phone off of airplane mode and check my email before I've sat down to meditate or sat down to do breath work, whatever I choose to do in that morning. So that would be an example of self-abandonment. And um, 
it cannot, that's a, just a small scale example of like, Oh, mm-hmm. like I didn't show up to any of my practices today. I kind of chose to give my energy to others before I sat with my own energy and like really was present with, uh, my own, my own self and my own energy before exchanging it with others. That's like something that's super important to me as a projector. And I know you're a projector too, but it's mm-hmm. like, woo, getting like our, <laughs> our, our, <laughs> our energy and our vessel clear is so important. And so yes, that's a huge practice for me. So that's kind of an example of like small scale self-abandonment, Okay, massive scale self-abandonment, right. Would be like in that first relationship where the infidelity happened and I chose to stay. Um, another, uh, way that we self-abandon is like, if we are, you know, in dating, like if we're seeing a man and he, uh, kind of reveals in some way, shape or form, maybe that he's emotionally unavailable or he's not ready for commitment. Like he's, you know, you've had the conversation. He's not looking for commitment right now, but you are, you're genuinely wanting to be in a committed, uh, relationship and that's okay. Right. And so if we choose to stay and continue to date and see the person, who has told us very clearly that they're not ready to be in a partnership. And we know that what we want is to be in a partnership. That's an example of self-abandonment because we're abandoning what we desire. We're abandoning what we need. We're abandoning what we want so that we can either have the security of, you know, a companion or so that we can please the other person. Um, And the real act Mm -hmm. of, self-love is saying, Hey, like I've enjoyed the time that we've had together and I enjoy the connection that we've built. I am looking for commitment. I am ready to be in a relationship and I respect and understand that you're not there yet. And that's okay. But because this is what I am, this is what I desire. And this is what I'm ready for. This is no longer a match for me. So you know, it's best if we part ways or, you know, remain, you know, we can stay friends, but really walking away when that person, when the other person really reveals to us that they're not capable of meeting our needs and that other person isn't responsible for meeting our needs. Like they have their own needs to meet and it's their life and they get to make their choices. But what I see so often with women is we abandon ourselves because we want the connection. We want the partner. We want the companion. We want the security of like having someone to spend our time with. And we don't have the worthiness to believe that we can have uh, and have the commitment or whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. And that comes back to, do we believe that we're deserving of having what we want and desire? Do we believe that it's possible that the thing that we want does exist? And it's just a matter of us becoming a match to it. Just a matter of time. Once we become a vibrational match to that, which we want to experience. Ooh. Okay. In terms of relationships. Yeah. How, how do we begin like becoming that matches it? Like you said, just like practicing that self-love, like dropping the self-abandonment, shifting the story, shifting the energies or anything else you would say. Cause now after I asked that, I'm like, wait, she already answered all of this, but is there anything else you would add in terms of like calling in, in what you desire in terms of a conscious, healthy relationship? 
Yes. There's so much there. This is my favorite. (laughs) So, okay. The way that I kind of describe it to my clients and like, it's funny, I'm like using my hands now because I, I like, I'm a visual person, but like there's the vibration at which all of our desires live. Right. And, and becoming a match to that is the way that I teach it and the way that we dissolve time and we get there quicker collapse time and get there quicker is number one, by dissolving the blocks that exists between where we are right now and the vibration where all of our desires exist. And so those, some of those blocks would be right. The limiting beliefs that I was talking about, any of our inner child wounds, our old patterns that are no longer serving us our feelings of unworthiness. So we have to do that deep inner work to dissolve those blocks So that's part of it. And then simultaneously at the same time, showing up to practices of self-love and really pouring into our own cup, which would be, you know, not self-abandoning, setting boundaries around our time, being mindful of like who we're exchanging energy with. Does it feel good for us to, you know, like uh, so many of my clients are, you know, in the position where they're like, oh, well, this person that I've been friends with for years, you know, but like, I don't feel good when I'm spending time with that person. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay. And one of the first things that I have my clients do is like create what I call the healing cocoon. And I have them literally rate how each activity that they do throughout their day makes them feel. And I'm like, if it's below a seven, you either need to create a boundary there, eliminate it or outsource it. (laughs) Um, And that's kind of like an example of one of the things that I do to help people pour into their own cup and like really eliminate those energy leaks. Um, and so Wait, one more time. So if it's below a seven, what, what do you do outsource? And what were the other things? A boundary needs to be created. It needs to be eliminated entirely or outsourced. Ooh, that is so powerful. I feel like if, like, if anyone did like one, if anyone just took away that one shift and like implemented that in their life today, it's like, that would literally change everything. So good. Yeah. It's really powerful. Like sometimes we don't understand where we're leaking our energy. Um, and we have to actually take a step back and like, like observe. Um, and so that would be an example of how, like the way I describe it is like, you know, our self-love cup usually has some pokes and holes in it. And so that would be a way of like patching those holes, those energy leaks. So that when we're pouring into it, when we're doing our daily practices of, journaling, meditation, like doing the things that we love, getting really clear on what self-love is for us. Like for some people, it's like creating space and time to actually like paint or tap into their artistic abilities that they haven't done since they were children. And for other people, it's exercise, like, um, Mm. getting really clear on what that self-love means for you. And then creating time for it, creating time for it. Like doing what we actually want to do, what actually feels good for us. It's like, it's kind of insanity to do anything else when we remember that we're actually the ones choosing all along. Yeah, 100%. And like, you know, I could even dive deeper on this, but it's like, uh, we oftentimes like, and I catch myself in this often where I'll be like, I should do X, Y, and Z. It's like mm. eliminate should from your vocabulary. <laughs> a <laughs> fucking moment. <laughs> it's like, it's only leading you to do something that you don't actually want to do, but for some reason, a program in your mind or a belief in your mind thinks that you need to do it in order to, you know, be worthy or be good or be right. Like you already are worthy and good and right. 
it's, it's, it's dissolving the things within you that believe that you're not. Um, and it's so, that illusory gap that keeps us from what we want because we've, we build up this, like, it's like, we're here and what we desire is there. And then we like create this like illusion of all these things in between that are like stopping us from having it and why we're not good enough for having in the 10,000 million actions that we have to take in order to get there. And it's like, when we allow ourselves to dissolve the illusion of that gap, there is no gap because we're already worthy. We're already enough. We already have everything we, we need in order to allow our desires into our experience. Exactly. And that's the whole deep diving work on dissolving those blocks is like when we're dissolving those blocks, it's really exactly what you just said. Like seeing the illusion in the, in the falsity, in the, in the limiting belief that we, that we're subscribing to. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. So and it can feel so true because oftentimes our, our beliefs and those, those deeper subconscious programs like show up in our reality. And then we look at our reality and we're like, see, it's true when it's like backwards. It's like, they say like, I'll believe it when I see it. And it's like, no, like, or I'll see it. Wait, what is, what is this saying? I forget. I'll believe it when I see it, but it's the opposite. Like when I see it you know? Exactly. Oh my gosh. So good. Okay. Something you said, um, brought up another kind of like shift in topic I wanted to get into and, you know, just talking about eliminating should from your vocabulary and like, there's literally no rules. There's nothing we should do. There is no right way. There's no way we have to do it. There are no fucking rules in life and relationships and business and all the things. And I know that's something that we've really worked on together is like, shattering all the rules and shoulds in your business. So can you talk a little bit what that journey was like in terms of, um, yeah, kind of, I, I, it sounds like, and let me know if this resonates. It like, sounds like there was like some self-abandonment previously in your, in your business that led to like a lot of, yeah, just like burnout and, and feeling unmotivated and all these things. And then like coming back to yourself and like dropping all those shoulds and rules and like coming back to like your truth and your intuition allowed you to really dissolve um, all of that or like most of that. So can you talk a little bit about what that journey was like? Yeah, it's such a good point that you like call out the self-abandonment there. Um, So yeah, I mean, starting a coaching business these days, it's, it's interesting because, um, it's such a gift that we can, uh, build these businesses online and like through our social platforms and all the rest. And yet there's still this kind of like layer of, um, it's like, it's not corporate, but there's this layer of like, here's your strategy. Here's your recipe on how to start your business. And, um, while that is super helpful and while that led me to creating my group coaching program, I tend to kind of be this, like, you know, good, I have this like good student complex where I'm like, okay, these are the rules and I have to follow them. And, and what that does for me is it really just blocks my creativity and it like blocks my access to my, to my intuition. And so, um, I was kind of, but when I first started working with you, I was like, totally subscribe to all the things that I should be doing in order to launch a successful group program. Mm -hmm. And I was like feeling really burnt out. (laughs) And you and I both know as projectors in human design that like 
we require rest and we don't operate like generators or manifesting generators. Mm -hmm. And I really was burning myself out because I was like, I need to be showing up in this way. I should be doing this and I should be doing that. And I had all of these like rules for myself that were almost sucking the joy out of like my business for a minute where I was like, oh man, like I literally have fallen back into like an old pattern that I was in when I was in one of my first corporate jobs where it was like just this constant pushing and efforting and forcing and following these rules. And if you, if you do it this way, like this top salesperson is doing, then you're going to be successful too. And what you reminded me of, and what I needed to be reminded of is that like doing it my way is what allows me to be successful. It's not doing it someone else's way. Like, yes, I can take bits and pieces from someone else's strategy and formula that feel good to me and that feel aligned and that gets to work for me. But if there's a part of the strategy or formula that feels misaligned or doesn't feel exciting or doesn't like exude passion within me or doesn't feel, um, like, I don't know, like good, I guess is the best way to put it. Like if it feels like not me, it doesn't feel authentic or true to me. I don't have to do those parts. Like I get to choose because I'm the business owner. And I think that that's been one of the most empowering shifts that I've had with working with you is just understanding that like, I get to choose because I'm the business owner and I, and that's one of the biggest shifts I think I've had, you know, I went to like private Catholic school growing up and like, you know, um, grades were always really important in my family. And, um, and so going, and then like, you know, is that kind of bled into like being a really good employee and like trying to do all the right things there. And then now when you're an entrepreneur, it's like, you kind of got to say like, fuck the employee mindset for a minute and like get really clear on like, okay, especially in a coaching business where you're like literally teaching from like a soul-based level, like this is a soulful business for me and like really getting clear on like, okay, this isn't really about the rules. This is more about like my intuition and my inner knowing of like how I want to guide and share my gift. And there's no exact rule book that everyone can follow when it comes to sharing your gift with the world. Like you, the, the ultimate lesson is learning how to trust yourself. And that's, what's been so powerful in our time together is like, I finally feel like I'm like reclaiming my self-trust that I kind of abandoned for a hot second. Oh my gosh. That makes me so happy. Um, and it's been so, so amazing to, yeah. Witness. Um, what, what would you say to someone who is like in, in a scenario like that, we're in there, they're in the push, in the force, in the effort, they're like not enjoying their business anymore. They're like doing all these things they think they have to do. And they're just like, feel like they're on this, like the steepest fucking mountain ever, like hanging on by their fingernails. Like not that that your scenario was that dramatic. Um, but what would, what would you say to someone who's, yeah, just kind of like having a hard time with the, the burnout and like, you know, doing everything they have, think they have to do and like lost sight of their own intuition. Yeah. I think the number one thing I would say is this gets to feel good. Like it's supposed to feel good. And that doesn't mean that it, it, it comes without ebbs and flows, but like overall, <laughs> 
when you zoom out, it should feel good. And so, you know, if it's not feeling good, there's a really good chance that it's time to take a step back and reassess, like, where am I choosing from my intuition, from my place of feeling empowered, from a place of trust that like, I know I can't fuck this up because I'm just sharing my gift with the world. And where am I coming from? Like, this isn't enough. I need to be doing more. I should be doing it like this other person because, you know, they've had success and maybe I haven't had that success quite yet. And so when you zoom out and you can kind of see those, where you're operating from, like what, what is the, the, uh, driver behind your choices? It's much easier to be like, okay, wow. When I make choices from this place of like what I should be doing and I'm, I need to follow the rules and I need to force, 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 push, push, push to me. And maybe to some people that feels good, but to me, that doesn't feel good. So I was able to be like, okay, so now when I make a choice in my business, like, where is it coming from? Is it coming from a place of like, oh, I haven't marketed in a while I should market. Or is it coming from a place of like, oh my God, I can't wait to share this with my audience. Like people need to hear this. Like this is powerful shit. (laughs) That's the, the latter is, is where I want to take action from not the former. Oh my gosh. So good. So good. Yeah. And I know like, um, you just signed a new private client and like, it's just such a great example that like, there are no shirts, there are no rules. There is no right way because like, I know, I think you had said that you weren't really like promoting it or like talking much about it or like pushing and forcing and like putting it out there. And yet somehow a client was attracted to you, right? And and multiple clients, many clients, you've been signing clients and, and all the women in your group. So yeah, what what do you attribute what do you attribute that to? Ah, oh, when I relax my energy around <laughs> my business, things just come through. And like I forget sometimes that like my life experience and like the initiations that I've gone through and my devotion to my own inner work and to staying in my power um, is really what calls my clients to me. And I firmly believe that Um, usually it's in a plate when I'm in a place of like scrambling or feeling like I'm not doing enough or feeling unworthy in my business where I'm like, I won't sign clients for a little while. Um, So yeah, I honestly feel like it's just like living my work, which I do most days, but when I get really caught up in the mind and like, then, you know, how I could be, you know, doing things another way, like making myself wrong instead of right. That's when I usually kind of, I get in my own way, but when I'm like, no, I'm like how I'm just, however I want to do this is right. Like if I can get behind that, which is the practice that I'm in right now is like making myself right instead of wrong. Uh, Usually that opens like the floodgates and people are just, I firmly believe that people are attracted to energy. And so um, I don't market a ton on my social and, but when I feel called to, I do. And that's worked for me. It's, it has. And so I don't need to, you know, if that wasn't working for me, then maybe I would need to, to, to take a look at that and be like, okay, 
maybe I could make some adjustments here, but I think when you zoom out and you actually see like, okay, my strategy that I like that feels good for me is to market when I feel called to, and to like, just be in my practice and serve my clients when, um, when I'm not feeling inspired to market, if that's worked for me and I'm signing clients that way, then like, that's, those are the codes that I'm going to follow. I'm not going to, but it's easy to get confused because there's a lot of coaches, coaching coaches on how to build their businesses. (laughs) There's so much information out there. And the beautiful thing about working with you is that you're not going to tell me this is what you should do. You're going to ask me the questions to get me to a place where I'm clearer on what actually feels true for me. Literally, we all have all the answers we need and it, it like, yeah, it just seems to work a lot better and a lot easier and a lot more fun when we're just taking the steps that we feel called to take, that we feel led to take. And I think what you said is so important. It's like backing it with the knowing that like it is right. It does get to work. The steps I feel called to take are the steps that get to work for me. Like I decide to do it this way and I decide this way gets to work for me because I motherfucking decide it does and I'm not available to do a bunch of shit that I don't actually want to do that makes me feel icky and not happy. Yeah, absolutely. And when we do the things that make us feel icky, it shifts our energy in a way that Mm -hmm. is less authentic and like it strays you from your authentic vibration. Um, And when we can recognize that like what actually feels good and true for us keeps us in alignment and keeps us in our power, we can just continue to trust ourselves. And I think, you know, and this goes for all areas of life, but I think, you know, the biggest practice for me and self-trust is like recognizing that we've been taught to ask other people for the answers instead of going within. And so when we create that space and we're in a practice of going inward and really being like, okay, this is what I feel inspired to do today. This is what I feel passionate about today. This is what my intuition is calling me to do today. And we act on it and we just kind of like keep following, keep taking steps down that end up in a much more easeful place. Uh, We end up in a place that feels really in alignment and flow with the universe. And it, it feels much better. It feels because you're being true to yourself. Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So good. So good. Okay. Is there anything else that is on your heart to share? I'm going to ask you about, um, heart alchemy and other ways people can work with you and all that good stuff. But before that, is there anything else on your heart that we didn't talk about that you want to share or talk about? Mm, Yeah, actually I kind of feel called to share, this like analogy that I use for women that are, um, you know, really wanting to manifest and call in their aligned loving partner. Um, I I try to like kind of simplify things for people. And I love to use analogies because I feel like it's helpful when understanding energetics. Um, but I share this analogy where it's like, okay, you're aligned partner he's already here on the planet. Like he already exists. (laughs) He's here on the planet. It is just a matter of time until you guys cross paths. And so when you think potentially you haven't met yet, right? So he think about him dating right now. Dating is the analogy of a house, right? Like he's, he's 
walking through a mansion that has many rooms and each room symbolizes maybe a woman that he has interest in or a woman that he's gone on a date with or a woman that he's dated. And when he opens the door to that room, (laughs) when he opens the door to your room more specifically, this is like how you can basically get your, this is your job. This is your job for attracting and calling in your aligned partner. And this is what you're responsible for. When he opens the door to your room, the first question is, do you have a bunch of baggage, right? Like, do you have, is your space clean and tidy or is it, you know, filled with, you know, boxes and it looks like you're a hoarder. And like that symbolizes the, analogy for like, what emotional baggage are you carrying that you have been reluctant to heal? What parts of yourself have you, you know, like what parts of yourself still feel unworthy? What parts of yourself still, um, don't feel like you're deserving of love, like all of you are shit, right? Like we got to clean up our side of the street. If we want to attract and call in a partner who's you know, not carrying emotional baggage or not, or still doesn't have feelings for an, or still has feelings for an ex. If we want someone who's actually like done their own work and is ready for us with a clean slate, we have to do our work too. So that for me represents like the emotional inner work that goes into preparing ourselves to meet our partner. Um, and then the second piece that I love to talk about is when he opens the door to your room, does it look like you? Is it your style of decor? Are you being you? Meaning that like so many of us women are told, oh, men like this, men don't like that. Be more like this, be less like that. Fuck all of that noise. Be you. (laughs) If your room is decorated in like super minimalist, modern style, because you were told that men like that particular decor, (laughs) but you're actually, your truth is actually boho kind of like, you know, super fun and eclectic. Your partner's going to open the door and think, oh, this isn't my style because your aligned partner is looking for you, the exact version of you, not the version of you that you think you're supposed to be in order to attract a man or to get love. And so we forget that all the time because when people give dating advice, it's like kind of like similar to what you were saying about like, the business <laughs> advice. it's like telling us to not be us. Yes. It's the same thing between like uh, attracting a partner and attracting clients. And it, it makes me think of my puzzle piece analogy that I think I shared with you before. It's like, we're a puzzle piece and we have distinct edges and we are naturally inherently a perfect match for the puzzle pieces, the things, people, opportunity, places, whatever that fit perfectly with our puzzle piece. But when we're trying to be contort ourselves into doing things to how we don't want to do them and contorting ourselves into who other people told us we're supposed to be or who we think we have to be, we distort our edges. And then it's like the people places opportunities, like they open the door and they look inside and they're like, Oh, this isn't for me. And it's like, when we can allow ourselves to just know that we are inherently worthy of what we desire. We are inherently magnetic to that dream partner. We are inherently magnetic to those dream clients. Like then, then we are. Yes, exactly. And so I think authenticity is something that gets overlooked a lot, you know, when we're talking about dating, because people love to be like men are this way and you need to act this way in order to attract (laughs) a man or get a man to commit to you. Like all, I mean, if you search on Google, like how to get my ex back, it's like, 
It's really sad. <laughs> like, and my firmest belief is like your person cannot find you if you're not being you period, end of story. And so, you know, there's this piece of like, yes, clean up your side of the street, do your healing work, you know, dissolve your patterns and, you know, your emotional baggage to the best of your ability by, by all means, heal, heal your shit. And then step two, be yourself, be unapologetically yourself and trust that anyone. And the reason that we're not ourselves is because we're afraid of rejection and rejection is protection. If someone doesn't, you know, feel that you're a match or doesn't like who you authentically are, they are not your person and that's okay. Don't Mm -hmm. waste any more time with them. Let them be, let them go and trust that your person is on his way. And then the last piece, (laughs) the last piece of that analogy, sorry, it's kind of, I try to break it down. No, I love it. Take your time. I'm I'm sure everyone listening is too. (laughs) And the last piece, because I try to just make it simpler because sometimes I feel like it's, it can uh, get complicated. The last piece is, is not settling. And so that means, uh, you know, when your partner opens the door to your room, is there a man in there who, you know, is in a 100% match to what you deserve and desire that you're wasting your time with? Is he hanging out in your room? Because your aligned partner is going to be like, oh, there's no room for me here. There's already another mm-hmm. man. Oh my God. That is like the best thing I've heard. Each of the pieces of it, like, just like gave me like full body goosebumps. And that's usually like my intuition being like, yes, this is, <laughs> this is like the truth. Oh my gosh. So good. Uh, thank you so much for being here and sharing all of your beautiful wisdom for anyone who is interested in working with you. What options do they have right now and how can they hop on it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So the best way to connect with me is um, through Instagram. That's kind of where I hang out and connect with, uh, clients. And, um, right now I am taking on two more private one-on-one coaching clients. I have two spaces open, and then I am in the process of creating a really epic course four week course, um, that I will probably launch before the end of the year. Um, and that is going to be called feminine force and it's going to be really fun and juicy and, um, empowering. And so I'll be sharing more about that as I, um, you know, begin that launch later on this year. And then I also have my signature, uh, 13 week group program called heart alchemy that I will most likely be launching at the beginning of next year. And that is really my deep dive into pretty much everything I just described in that last analogy, deep dive into healing and releasing and letting go of the things that are, you know, hanging out in our energetic field that are preventing us from meeting our person, how to unravel the layers of who we think we're supposed to be and really show up in our authenticity in order to call in our aligned partner. And then the third piece is just embodying that self-worth and understanding what that means um, really is just taking action on self-love, like the action piece of self-love, not settling, not self-abandoning, learning how to consciously communicate in relationships and in dating. Um, So yeah, those are kind of my three offerings at this moment. Um, And I have a link in my bio and Instagram to set up 
a free discovery call if you have any questions or are curious about working with me. Amazing. Thank you so much. Yes. Everyone who this is speaking to, who's feeling aligned with this, go work with Austin go book your call. She is amazing. And what is your Instagram handle so people can find you? It's at A-U-S, A-U-S, underscore Armstrong, A-R-M-S-T-R-O-N-G. Okay. Amazing. Thank you so much. And for everyone listening, feel free to share this episode, tag us with on Instagram. Let us know what takeaways you had and what you liked about this episode. And thank you so much, Austin, for being here. Mm, You're so welcome. This was so much fun. I agree. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Magnetically You podcast. If this episode served you, I ask that you share it with someone who it could make a difference for or share it on social media and tag me at Magnetically You. Make sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of the magic and it would mean the world to me if you would leave a review on iTunes. Thank you so, so much from the bottom of my heart for being here and I will see you in the next episode.